good morning, everybody. It's good to be back with church family. I was here last Sunday, so you may think that it, you know, everything is the same, but we have, we went to British Columbia, west side of Canada, early part of the month, and we were there for two Sundays and a NCMI event in between, and then came back and went to visit my family down in Atlanta, and then came back here and preached, and then went to a NCMI event in LA, and we were there all week, and so here we are, and it's good to be with you again. Um, it's great to be with you, because we're here now. <laughs> I love travel. I love being sent by God, but I love uh, being, being home and being with the family, as in church family. So having said that, today's going to be a bit of a feedback Sunday. We're going to be feeding back from really some amazing things. Would you like to collect that, Mickey? I just have that sense that you're standing there wanting to pass this plate out. Is that, are we good? Okay. Um, today's going to be a feedback Sunday uh, from this event that happened called Equip in Southern California. And I'm going to share a couple thoughts before we get that started, just on to give context of what that is. If you've heard this before, uh, hear it again. If you've heard it before, you probably are still getting the concept. And so here it is. We as a church, Border City Church, we are partnered with a team called New Covenant Ministries International. So we are not a part of a denomination. It is a team. When the Apostle Paul, anybody heard of him in the New Testament? When he was planting churches, as he did throughout the Mediterranean world, he had an apostolic team or develop around him that, that were partnered together with him in spreading the gospel and planting churches. You had guys like Paul, and I mean, excuse me, and Barnabas. You had Silas, Timothy. You had Epaphroditus. You had these people who were all partnered together, and Paul was sending Timothy over here to Ephesus, and Epaphroditus over here, and Titus was going to Crete, and so on and so forth. You follow. Today, New NCMI, New Covenant Ministries International, NCMI, is a team of people who have five-fold gifts that, is, that are mentioned in Ephesians 4, that says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why did he give these gifts to the church? So that they could be the superstars. <laughs> I am kidding. There's only one superstar in the church, right? Who's, what's his name? And guess who he uses? Everybody. They are just specialized gifts. That's it. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they partner together in the context of a team, and that is all NCMI is. You got it? Why are they sent? He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. Who are the saints? We, us, me, you, every, all of us. To equip the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. Most of us said, well, I thought the paid pastor was the one who did the work of the ministry. It's not what the Bible says. Every follower of Jesus is called full-time into ministry. When you're at Tim Hortons later on and you're serving coffee, you are in the ministry of the Lord. When I'm selling real estate, which I do, by the way, I'm ministering. I'm, his representative is agent in ordinary spaces of the earth, Right? So what is NCMI? It is a team of what kind of gifts? Fivefold gifts partnering together 
to know Jesus and to make him known. And we do that by planting churches and strengthening churches that are partnered together with us. It's all relationship. That's all it is. So I hope, I hope that's simple, right? We are working into every inhabitable continent in the planet. We're working, we've got churches that partner with us in Asia, in Australia, throughout Europe, tons in Africa, South America, growing in North America, um, so on and so forth. And in each nation or region, we'll have annual events that we call equip. Can anyone imagine why we call it equip? Because it says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, right? So when we gather together in an equip, we are getting the team, those who are on the team in that nation together, and all the churches that are partnered with that team in that nation together, so that the team can equip, so that we can build relationship, we can, we can partner together, we can get to know each other, we can celebrate the victories of things that God's doing in each of our churches, all of that thing, because it's all about relationship. So, you following? So that's why, where we were this past week, and I want you to know that because I, I, those called to be a part of this, we would hope that you will prioritize equips as, as much as possible being there. And some of you would say, that sounds great, I can't afford it. And I've got good no- news for you. I can't afford it either. Honestly, I could not afford to go to L.A. We made a decision to go there in faith, believing that it's the will of God, and we're on the team, so we kind of, like, should be there, and God supplies in the context of as we walk that out. So I've asked those who went to share some nuggets of what God did in them, what stuck out the most to them while they're there, what, what were things that specifically spoke to them. If I could ask those people to stand with me now, Minda and Peter and John David and Mickey. <sighs> did we have, just come up here and stand with me. Why don't you welcome these saints who are called into full-time ministry to represent the king together with you. So which of you would like to go first? Just share, share a nugget. Do I have any takers? All right, Peter. Well done, bud. Good morning. How are you guys? That's great. So um, God personally, like, touched my heart, like, with love. So, uh, like, um, um, that, like, sounds, like, simple and stuff, but that is actually, like, quite, like, a big thing, and it touched me. And uh, Friday, I think, morning, um, um, this man right here, who happens to be my dad, (laughs) preached, and he did very well, and that was great. Worship was great. People were great. Lots of friends that I have there. And that was just fun to, to... be with those who I love and those who love me, and that was cool. Awesome, man. Love it. Especially like that one thing you said. Jesus was great. What, who else wants to share? Mickey. Um, yeah, I've been to an equip once before in Canada, and it was a blessing. And I was expecting to experienced that same thing, and I didn't. Uh, For me, it was 
life-changing. I was completely intimidated to the point of being depressed the first day. I mean, literally, that was it. I saw people that were so on fire for Jesus that loved him to the point of, and I'm not, this is not my saying, Ty said this, they, they're standing on the edge. They're willing to give it all for Jesus. And to stand there and be in a group of several hundred people and 99.9% of them are, are like that was humbling, extremely humbling. But God didn't leave me alone there. He kept showing me that all these amazing people were normal, just yes. like he was saying. They're normal people. They have fears, doubts, challenges in their lives. But what they do is give it to Jesus and trust him completely. And that place was just on fire, and it was so uplifting. I can actually tell you that I am not the same person I was when, before I left. Um, God just, just touched me and showed me that he's got a plan. He's got a plan for each of us. And as long as we accept it and just give all our problems to him, all our fears to him, he's going to get us through it. And we get to share that with other people and make disciples. Good, bud. It's awesome. John? So I feel like um, I just, should I hold it like really close? Yeah. So I, I feel like God, like the first night we were there and we were doing, we were having worship, um, I felt like I, had I had a relationship with Jesus, but I felt like um, I just felt Jesus come into my heart. I don't really know how to explain it, but I felt Jesus like with me and like in the room and around all of us. And throughout the whole experience, I felt like I was growing a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I didn't feel like he was like some wise old person out there who was mad at me. I felt like he was he was like me and he was just an ordinary person and that I could talk to him. And I feel like I have a new relationship with Jesus that's deeper and that's better than it was before. Good stuff, bud. All right, Minda. Okay. I wrote a couple things down because I didn't want to forget. God really spoke quite a few things to us, and everything he spoke was very simple, very encouraging, and kind of basically just saying, keep doing what you're doing. I'm with you. Um, but I just want to read something that um, Ty preached one of the sessions from Luke 5. He talked about the story where Jesus went to the disciples who were on the boat fishing. I just want to read from that. It says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. This is Jesus. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. So these guys were fishermen, and they'd been fishing all night already, and they were kind of like just chalking it up to a day's work where you don't really get the stuff, right? He said, we've, we've already done that. We've already put our nets in. We've worked all night. We haven't caught anything. But he said, Master, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. 
So how often, and even within this church plant, have we said, Lord, we've tried that. We've done Love Detroit. We've gone to the shelter. We've gone to Durfee. We've talked to our neighbors. We've done it. It didn't work. And Jesus says, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And we have the opportunity to say, Master, because you say so, we'll do it again. And Jesus causes there to be a catch. Jesus causes the boats to overflow with fish. And that's one of the things we felt the Lord saying to us this week is do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And right after that session, we, Paul and I actually received a prophetic word from one of the women on the team. She called us over and she said that over us, she just saw the words, keep sowing faithfully. And she said, you guys have sown and you've sown and you've sown and you will reap but some of your reaping will be from areas you haven't sown in your city. But it's because you've sown faithfully. And I just believe that that's not just for me and Paul. That's for us as a church, that we need to keep sowing, and we're going to reap in our city. And some of it might even be in areas where we haven't sown, but we need to keep sowing faithfully. When Ty was preaching that session, he also re- read about when, um, when Martha, the sister of Lazarus, you know, Lazarus died, and he was one of Jesus' best friends. And um, I just want to read from that account in Scripture as well, um, which is from John 11. And Jesus said, after Jesus was talking, and after he had said this, he went on to tell them to his disciples, he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. He said, for your sake, I'm glad he was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. After this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I already read that part. Sorry, I copied and pasted. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad he was, that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Okay, so things were dead. Things were over, right, for Lazarus. That's the way it looked. But Jesus knew that he was going to go raise him up. And then it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And how often have we looked at circumstances or situations and vulnerably speaking to you this morning, even as church leaders and as a team leading this church, we might look at circumstances and say, Lord, what's up? Where's the beef? If only you had made this happen, then we wouldn't be in this situation. Things look dead. But Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he'll rise again one day in the resurrection. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, he will never die. And he said to her, do you believe this? And then we know that Jesus went and he raised Lazarus from the dead. So the point that Ty was bringing out, he was saying Martha's faith was good. She believed in Jesus, but her timing was off. She was saying, Lord, you're too late. And yeah, Lord, I believe one day you can raise Lazarus from the dead. But right now, do you believe? Do you believe for right now? Do we believe, are we, are we upset that things haven't happened the way we wanted them to on our timeline? And maybe we're saying, yeah, one day, 
one day, sure, I believe God can do it. But what about right now? Do we believe God right now for what he wants to do today? Do we believe that Jesus is going to show up and change the situations that look dead and bring life into our circumstances? We want to have faith that is believing God now. And right after that session also, Paul and I also received a prophetic word from one of the men on team, Ken Grenfell, very prophetic guy. And he's, he brought us his notebook, and he said, when I saw you guys walk in the other day, he said, I wrote Paul and Minda in these words, the promises of God are yes and amen. And he said, I want to say to you guys, for your context for Border City Church, the promises of God are yes and amen. And he said, it doesn't matter what season you're in right now. He said, it doesn't matter who leaves you. It doesn't matter who stays with you. The promises of God are yes and amen. And he said, fruitfulness is coming. So you stand on those promises of God. Another thing that was brought out this week is that when Jesus did the miracle of feeding the 5,000 people, that was right after John the Baptist had been beheaded. His cousin, one of his best friends, had been killed, had taken off, beheaded. Hopeless situation, looked like defeat. And Jesus, instead of retreating, he went out and he fed 5,000 people and did one of the biggest miracles in Scripture. So when we feel defeated, when things look horrible, when things look dead, what do we want to do? We want to go hide. We want to stop. We want to pull back. We want to give up. But it's in those moments that God wants to show his power. So we can't back up. We need to keep going. We need to keep going and keep trusting him. Don't shrink back. Success is not what the, what the world looks like. Success is saying yes to God. So if we are saying yes to God, we're already successful. We're already successful. We want to keep saying yes to God. And you know what? We don't, we don't uh, achieve our inheritance, we receive it. There's nothing we can do to make something happen. All we need to do is receive what God wants to give to us. Just quickly, two other, uh, something else that really stood out to us. We had a lot of meals together, meals with other church planters, uh, meals with people on the, on the NCMI team. We were having lunch at In-N-Out with um, a couple that planted a church, Brooke and um, David Scheller, Tamora knows them. She used to be in a church in Kansas City with them, and they've moved and planted a church in Arizona and Phoenix. And we were having lunch together, and David said that God spoke to him and said, build slow right now, because they've just started planting. They planted about a year after us. They, he said, build slow so you can build fast. And if you think about it, if, have, how many of you have seen the, the new Hudson building being built on the old Hudson site, Right. Still, there's like still nothing you can see, right? It's just like it's been underground forever. And it looks slow, right? Like, it's like, where is it? Where is this thing that they're going to every day and building? You build slow, or it looks slow, but once they start building above ground, that thing's going to shoot up fast. It's going to be there all of a sudden. And that's something in the spirit, too. God says, build slow, build strong, build sure, build steady and deep so that you can build fast. And we went straight from that lunch to coffee with Mark and Marie Bailey, who lead a church in South Africa that's now exploding. They planted about 10 or 12 years ago. And he said the same phrase, but in different words. He said that God spoke to him about making disciples. He said, move slow. It happens one-on-one. He said, I, he said, I'm sure some churches have success with these big programs they do and all these things. He said, but we found the best way to make disciples is to encourage everybody in the church to reach out to the people around them. And that's how their church has exploded, over 1,000 people. But he said, God spoke to him, move slow so you can move fast. We all looked at each other because it was like the same phrase, 
move slow so that you can move fast. And if you think about it, if you move slow one-on-one, that's kind of slow, right? But then it begins to exponentially multiply because everyone is reaching people. So you move slow so that you can move fast. Another example that really stood out to me, Leo Nekrotra, who leads a church in Sydney, Australia, was, pre- was preaching one day, and he gave the example of, he, was, he had been preaching in Indonesia or, or India somewhere, and he was out in the forest in this like rainforest area preaching late one night, and he w- was on the back of this motorbike, this motorcycle, to get back to the village where they were staying, and he, this, he was on a motorcycle with his, this pastor friend, and all of a sudden, in the dark, in the middle of the jungle, they ran out of gas. And he said they had to get off and push the motorcycle to the next village where they could get gas. And he said God spoke to him in that moment. And he said, how often in ministry are we pushing the motorcycle? We're pushing the vehicle. We're trying to push the ministry along in our own effort. And maybe you guys can apply that in your own lives where you're trying to reach people, where you're trying to do what God's asked you to do, but you're pushing it along in your own strength. And all the motorcycle needs is gas. All we need is to stay refreshed and full of our relationship with God and let God operate this vehicle. The ministry that God's called us to is like a vehicle that he's given us, but it operates not by our own strength. We don't have to make this happen. It's by us staying full of the presence and the spirit of God. God is the one who brings the gas to the ministry that he's called us to. So it was a great week. I know Paul's still going to share, but I just want to mention the World Equip happening in 2020 next year. So like Paul said, regionally, equips happen every year, but every once in a while, they have a world equip. They cancel all the regional equips for the year, and they have one equip worldwide where everybody comes together, and it's going to be in South Africa next October 2020. Those are the dates, 5th to the 9th of October. Save the date, and like Paul was saying, you might think, oh, yeah, sure, there's no way I can afford to go to South Africa. Ask God, and you know what? We can't afford it either. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we know we're going to go. And I want to challenge you. If you want to go, I want you to tell me today that you want to go. Today, tell me, I want to go. Because I want to walk that faith journey with you over the next year. And I want to see you there with us. Because it can happen. You can be there. I said to Ty, as we were leaving the other night, Tyron Daniel, who leads the international team, I said, Tyron, these times are expensive. It costs money to fly and be in places like this together. But I have become convinced that it is worth every dollar because of what happens in our hearts and how we go back to our regions then and the gospel is advanced because of what's happened in our hearts. And we need these times. It's worth every dollar. So it's not wasteful. It's not uh, huh? extravagant. It's something that will increase and release the gospel here in Detroit. So if you want to go, plan on, on, on being there with us. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, well said. And, you know, just, I would, some of you may, if you don't know, then I would ask God. God, do you want me to go? Like, just ask him. Just ask and and see if if he puts it in your heart, then go with it. And if it doesn't make sense, go with it anyway. Get used to that. That's the way God works. Um, honestly. Or you could just say, if, if you just have a desire in your heart, say, God, I would like to go. I want to go. And not just for selfish purposes, for the romantic idea of going to South Africa. It's a beautiful nation, all that kind of stuff. That's not why God works supernatural. I want more of you. I want to be more in your will, and I want to be a part of what, God, what you're doing there. 
So just ask him. I'm about to give you permission to do something that most pastors do not, and that is if you have an Instagram account or if you have a Facebook account right now, go to one of those and uh, follow, if you're on uh, Instagram, NCMI USA or NCMI Global. And I want everyone in the church to be following on social media the stuff that's happening in our partnerships in this nation and globally. And if, you go, if you're on Facebook, go to uh, uh, NCMI USA. You can like that group or NC, New Covenant Ministries International, which is the global one. So Instagram is NCMI USA and NCMI Global. Fo- follow both. Like both. Follow both. Facebook is NCMI USA and New Covenant Ministries International. That's their global account, our global account. Good. And then go back to Facebook. Go to Border City Church. And uh, what do you do? You, you check in. Check in to Border City Church so that all of your social media friends can see where you go to church. Not just so Border City Church can have its name or whatever, but because it's so seed. Telling you, like a year from now, your friend remembers, oh, they go to church every Sunday. I know because every Sunday I see them checking into this this account. And now I'm going through this divorce and I need somebody. And they seem to have stuff that I don't have. Let me talk to them. Or let me, you you follow what I'm saying? Check in. Cool. Cool. So, thank you guys for sharing. I'm going to just share, and this is not really a preach moment at all. This is very much just a continuation of feedback. Um, I was on the plane yesterday and, and just seeking the Lord about what he's saying to us, and I just felt so strongly that what is best is if I just open up and share, just like these people have, these men and women have, young men, um, of what God did in them, I'm going to do the exact same thing and just share some stuff because we want to be stewards of what God is saying. And if we go to L.A. and God starts speaking to us and we fail to digest it properly as a church community, I don't feel like we're being good stewards of what God's trying to do. And so often we can go to an event and hear God and say that was amazing. Next, (laughs) just go on with life. Let's pause, ponder, digest and receive. So to start off, Minda so wonderfully put some of this already. I want to uh, kind of walk the elephant out of the room and say, look, we are over two years in as a church plant. And if I'm completely honest with you, as most church planters have their aspirations, I imagined the rafters full within two years. Man, within two months was, was, was my idea. They're going to come f- they're going to come by the droves. And uh, here we are, and we're small. We're small in number. And I want to invite you to join me, to join us more and more fully in being comfortable and being perfectly okay with where we are every phase along the way, every stage. Uh, let, me, let me say, there is harvest, and I mean numerical harvest, Not so that we can feel good about ourselves, so that people know Jesus and that people enter into inheritance that the Father has for them. And 
for Jesus' sake, not for our sake, for his sake. There is harvest, and that's important. But it's important also that we grab a hold and are comfortable with the journey. Even if the journey's uncomfortable. Not saying be comfortable, but, but be comfortable with the process. You know Jesus in the process, not just the fulfillment of the promise. And um, so Ty, who leads the team, Tyron Daniel, was, sh- was sharing. And one of the things, the first point that really stood out to me from this past week, he says, God doesn't measure success by counting, but by weighing. When we as his church go before the throne of Jesus and we give an account, he's not going to count how many people were in your church. That's not how, that, where in the New Testament do you see in Paul's letters to the churches, well done, you've got 3,000. It's all about the nature of Jesus being developed in people. That's what the church is. Now, these people live on mission in their community, and as the gospel is shared, it translates into other people coming to faith and joining. You follow? But we don't measure success by counting. We measure by what we've built. I mean, excuse me, by, by how much... of Jesus is in what we've built. And I just want to share this scripture to reinforce this. Ephesians, well, I've shared this already, but let's share it again. Ephesians 4.16, and he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until every church has at least 3,000 people in it. Is that what the scripture says? Until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can we all receive as a local church community that is what we're here for? It's Jesus being developed in people. We, when you receive Jesus, you receive his spirit. You have the fullness of his nature dwelling inside of you. And what we walk out is a process of being conformed, the release of that spirit taking over our lives to where what comes through our lives more and more is him and not us. And the more that that's happening, the stronger this church is, the more weight God can place on us as a church community. Can we be comfortable in walking out and even not comfortable, can we be celebratory? Can we lavish in and love and not need numbers to feel good about ourselves? And again, I'm not saying we don't want to reach people because numbers equal souls. We want to reach souls. So we need to feel uncomfortable to the extent that the gospel is not being shared outside of this building. Let's feel uncomfortable about that. If we're going to feel uncomfortable, not, don't feel uncomfortable about how few people are here. Feel uncomfortable about how few people are hearing out there. And let's go do something about that, not try to do some campaign to try to get people to sit on a chair so that we can say, hey, we had 50 this Sunday. We had 100. That's not our goal. Our goal is Jesus. So success isn't in numbers. It's this. A couple points. People growing in relationship with God. How many of you would say that's happening in your life? No, that's depressing. (laughs) Thank you. I would. I feel like I've grown hugely over the past couple years, if I'm honest. 
people becoming more like Jesus. Success is people increasingly living on Jesus' mission and not just doing their own thing. Tony Sivright, who is a good friend of ours, leads a church down the road from the church we used to lead in Johannesburg, preached a whole message on how do we measure the health of the church. We measure it in love. That's, the na- that's ultimately the nature of God in, in his son. How much love is found here? How much sacrificial commitment is shared from one member to another, carrying one another and carrying the city together? Harvest is the fruit of those things. Don't focus on the harvest, focus on those things. Growing in relationship with God, becoming more like him and living on his mission in love. Another thing that really impacted me, Ty shared with the team, before we had the equip, we we gathered together as a team and he shares specifically with the team, uh, the NCMI team, and we sat there and he was sharing with us, reminding us of of the original creation of, of creation and specifically of mankind and the reason that mankind were created because, and he shared four reasons that mankind were originally created. Why is that important? Because this is ultimately why NCMI or NCMI exists. And for us, this is ultimately what Border City Church must exist for, these four reasons. So let's grab this and say this is what we are here for. If you look with me, Genesis chapter 1, I'll just, uh, verses 26 through 28, again, the creation of mankind, just read the passage real quick. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Did you catch that? Man was made in the image of God, according to our likeness, And let them have, catch this, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. So man's made in in, in his image, and they are given dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Note that. Then God blessed them, and God said, catch this, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There are four reasons that man were created according to that passage of scripture. The first is that we were created for relationship with God and with each other. Male and female, partnership, relationship. The second reason that we were created, so simple, and this is why we exist as a church, is to reflect him. We're made in his image. Purpose of reflecting the image of God. Thirdly, is to reign in his stead, on the earth. He's God, he's out there, but we don't see him. In the material creative worth, earth, man was created to represent his power and authority by reigning over this territory. You follow that? And then fourthly, is to reproduce, right? Be fruitful and reproduction. Everything that was created had seed bearing after its own kind, and the only... So an apple tree produces what? Seed that makes other what? Apple trees. Am I right? And a shark, if a shark mates with another shark, it's going to produce a... Right? And the only part of creation that bore the image of God was man, mankind, male and female. We are his offspring, 
with the expectation that we bear fruit after our own kind. In other words, we reproduce other people of faith to reflect his image. Right? And so, um, yeah, to rule and to reign. To, let's go back to that. So, for relationship, intimacy, not just functionality. And so Ty was saying, yeah, we're, born, we're created for relationship. And he says, when he goes to his dad, his dad used to lead the NCMI team. Now he leads the NCMI team. When he goes to his dad, he doesn't sit down with his dad and say, Dad, I need a word. Like, can, can, give me a word. Give me, give, what, what, speak to me. Give, give me. give me your word. That would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Or if, like, my sons, if, like, when we sat down at the kitchen table, they were like, Dad, what, give me, I need a word. Sure. It's kind of like I've got a relationship with them, right? If I want to share a word with them, I'm going to share it. But he says when he goes to his dad, he goes to hang out with his dad, to, to know his dad, to spend time with him. And he says the same thing. When we go to God, can we get back to that place where we're not going to God to get something? We need to hear you. We need to get this thing from you. But just to, just to spend time in relationship with him. To, to enjoy him and enjoy his presence. We're created for relationship, and obviously all that springing out of that is enjoying relationship with one another. Um, to reflect him, we already kind of touched on that, to rule and to reign, to have dominion. just want to say this. What does dominion look like? Because that can sound kind of scary. Some of us are like, how, how do, what's the church reigning look like? Are we going to like overtake the government? Are we going to... To, like, like, subdue Mike Duggan and say, this is now our dominion. You guys are too hot to, <laughs> to, to, to find things funny. No, that's not what it is. Here it, here it is. This is what us having dominion looks like. The influence of his kingdom in the space where we are, in the earth, through us. How does that happen? The more you and I, our hearts, are surrendered to the king the more his kingdom has impact on our lives. The more his kingdom is actually reigning in our lives. Does that make sense? And the more people there are who are doing that, surrendering to Jesus, the more people in Detroit are having their ki his kingdom influence their lives. It's like if you can imagine each of us are lights, the more we surrender to Jesus, the brighter that light becomes, the more it is able to shine into darkness, and the more we surrender to Jesus, the brighter and brighter that light comes, the more impact that that light's having around us, and the more people there are that are doing that, surrendering to Jesus, the more the collective light is in the city to where ultimately his reign, the witness of who he is and what his kingdom is, is shining bright to where it becomes hard to live in Detroit and not encounter the kingdom. That's what our call of reigning and is ultimately him reigning through us. But he causes us to reign in his stead and have dominion in his place here on the earth. Does that make sense? In the kingdom of God, the only way to have victory is to surrender. It's the only place that surrender is the only path to victory. The only way to become big in the kingdom is to become small. And then finally is to reproduce. He says over mankind to reproduce, to be fruitful and to multiply. And that's what stuck in, in my heart. And, and I just knew God was, God was speaking this. And I wrote this down. 
we, we must be reproducing. If we aren't ready to reproduce a church, like as in plant another church, due to not having a church planter within our ranks, somebody who's called the church plant, then we start creating a culture of multiplication and reproduction by creating a model of reproducing anything that we do have, reproducing disciples, disciples making other disciples, community groups, reproducing other community groups, ministries and gifts reproducing themselves. That make sense? So I knew God spoke that to me, and I went to Minda, and I shared that with her, and we decided, you know, we, we, we should take advantage of this time at this equip where we have leaders capacity leaders from around the world all gathered together in one place. We should pick their brains and find out. And so we had this coffee that Minda referenced earlier with this uh, Mark and Marie Bailey who lead this explosive church in South Africa. And, um, and we just had this great coffee with them and Nikki was there and, and I, I said, guys, reproduction. God's speaking multiplication to us, reproduction. You guys are seeing some of that. What gives, just what, the top of your head, what, what do you what, how, how do you do that? What's, you know, what advice would you give? Just speak into us. We want you to glean from you. And um, Minda actually already shared, but the, the essence of it was every person, if you, it just, he says, we've done all these programs, we've done all these things to try to do that, and to each one reach one, and blah, blah, blah. He says, I, we, we just keep on getting back to it's simple. The most sustainable plan is just to keep it incredibly simple, and to encourage every person to be caring for at least one person. Some people in the church have capacity to carry, care for 100 people. But some people, they just had a baby, and now they're caring. They're, they, but if everybody can just give themselves to caring for one person and lean into that per, like keeping up with them, finding out what, what's going on, speaking into their lives, caring, praying for them, caring for them. If everybody does it, you create a culture that it becomes normative that everybody's caring, and that is what reproduction happens. Now, in the course of doing that, let me warn you, God starts giving you two and three and four, because when you're faithful, he gives you more. Before, you know, you're, you're leading 12, and you've got a community group, and, but if we can all start with one, who's, who's keen for that? Who's, who's willing to do that? Let's create that culture. Create a culture. And then, uh, and then so we went from there into the equip meeting, and our good friend Leo and Christine Nakotra from Australia, they were preaching, and Leo was, began preaching on this exact topic about, he didn't call it multiplication, but he effectively was talking about that, out of John 10. Excuse me? Shepherding people. And so I just want to read two things that really stuck to me out of that. Find the faithful men and women that want to be poured into and focus on them. 80% of your efforts in the church should be there. We oftentimes try to invest into everybody and anybody, and we love everybody and anybody, but this thing of the church is reproduction. It's finding what the Apostle Paul called the faithful men. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says this to his spiritual son, Timothy, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Did you guys catch that? Four generations that Paul speaks there. He is the first generation, and he spoke things in the presence of Timothy and other people, and he says to Timothy, 
take what I, Paul, generation number one, you are generation two. You hear from me, and now you go find other faithful men who will receive what you have and who will be able to, generation four, teach others also. You got that? Paul to Timothy to other people who will be able to teach other people also. Reproduction, multiplication. What I say and speak into one person's life, it should be that it is ripple effects exponentially, right? And what you say, the same. And so he's saying, find the faithful men. Paul didn't just say find others. Find faithful people, people who are wanting it, people who are going to take it and run with it, who are going to do something with it, not just say, hey, thanks for the good word, uh, and just go on in their lives. People who are receiving it. The Pareto principle, if any of you know, in business, the 80-20 principle, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people then put 80% of your energy in those 20% of the people who are faithful. Find those people, pour into them. Why am I saying that? You are called to do this. Find people who are going to take what you have to share and invest into them. Make sense? And I'll do it too. And then he also says, bring people, how do we impact people? Bring them into your world just like you would your own children. They will catch what you're trying to build by watching you and knowing you. My sons, I believe, I hope, have received something of faith and their own relationship with Jesus, and they're growing with Jesus. And it's not just like they have like a Jesus junior, you know, like a junior relationship. They've got their own relationship with Jesus. How has that happened? I didn't sit them down in our, as Leo said, I didn't sit them down and like say, children, come gather around. We're going to, uh, I'm going to now exegete the, the scriptures unto you to teach you the ways of, of the Lord. These guys know my warts. Do you know what I'm saying? They know my flaws. They've seen me in moments of brokenness. They, but they've also seen us engage Jesus in faith. They've heard the conversations between their mother and myself about what it is that we care about most, what we're living for, we brought them into that conversation and included them. We've shared our faith with them. They've, it's organic, it's relational, it's real, it's messy. Bring people into your world, that's what they're really going to learn from. We try to like put on our Christian thing when we're making disciples and we're, we try to act like we've got it all together and, and, and put all our, our guards up and we've got all our stuff. No, just be real. So look for the faithful men, and what you do with them is you bring them into your world. And don't try to be more than you are. Just be where you are. <laughs> you only have as much maturity as you have, so you might as well, and God can use that. Just be real. Don't try to be more, pontificate your, just be real. They're going to catch what you really have, and they're not going to catch what you don't have, so you might as well not try to pretend like you have it anyway. Just be, but you do have something that other people need. In you, your imperfect vessel, you, you disqualify yourself. You have something other people need, but they're only going to receive it when you're real with them. Okay. Is that what Jesus did? You, you notice he didn't just have these like religious galia meetings where he, you know, gathered the people and he came out with his priestly robes and to say, I am the son of God. Come to share and enlighten you, the, the little ones, with the truth. No, he spoke to them as though they were called to royalty, 
and to be who he was, a son of God, a child of the king to represent God, spoke destiny and inheritance and became one of us. So anyways, then uh, thank you for bearing with, uh, just because uh, I know it's a little, a little muggy in the room at the moment. Uh, but we're almost done. I just want to definitely share this, though. Uh, dream. I wrote this during the context of this week. Even if you have a big dream, go bigger. And, and I wrote down, no one, no one said this, but I, as I wrote that down, Ty was speaking about this, Tyron Daniel, the leader of the team. He was saying dream. This is a season to dream. It's a season to trust God and allow him to give us big dreams. And even if you feel like your dream is too big for you already, go bigger. That's what he's saying. And I said, what does my dream look like? Can I read a scripture to you? Because I feel like it encapsulates what I have in my heart, what I live for, what I yearn for to see in the church. Thank you. Ephesians 5. I mean, excuse me, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This isn't... This is just a, Acts is just a historical record. It's a document. It's a story, a true story. And in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, this is a picture of local church that I long to see. It says that, and through the hands of the apostles, let me give you some context. This is the first local church that ever existed. I believe it gives us a pattern to what not only local church can be, but what it should be. It was in the city of Jerusalem, the first local church ever. And it says that, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. I want you to pay attention to that, signs and wonders. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. You following? And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What is the dream? I'm, I want to ask you guys, as lavish or as, as grandiose as it may seem, I want to ask you guys just to expand your faith capacity and dream for, for that with me. That, that, that you and I become a church that looks like that. And what are some of the things I think that we can pull out of that? One is that in the streets and in ordinary places of the city, those places were filled with a witness of Jesus. Not just great church meetings. The, it says that they were bringing the sick from surrounding regions into the streets, the marketplace, that just the shadow of Peter walking by would touch them. And I don't want it to be about the shadow of Paul. Or it's, the, that's, it's, the sh it's, it's that people saw in the church something's going down with these people that's real and that's powerful. I'm not one of them. But I do trust that they've got something that I need so much that I'm going to bring the sick just to get near them. They've got power. 
And it's being demonstrated not just in their religious meetings, it's demonstrated in the, in the streets. And you may say, well, that sounds like amazing. You know, maybe, I guess that could happen. How does that even begin to happen? I believe it begins to happen when each of us begin to become a witness, a, test, a vessel in our atmosphere. If I'll do that, if I'll not just be at a real estate meeting, but I'm there conscious of God with me, I'm there being conscious of, God, what are you wanting to do? Use me, Lord. And if Joseph does the same as he steps into his upcoming job, and as Sharon does the same thing, as more and more people are doing that, guess what? The, the, the light gets stronger. And before long, my friends, I dream of a church where there is a critical mass. And it's not even Border City Church. It's all of his church, regardless of which church it is, all of us collectively in this city, the more Christians that we have doing that, this city can become a beacon of light where it's hard to live in Detroit and not encounter Jesus. I dream of that. If that doesn't happen, I feel like that's, that's, that is what reigning looks like. And that's what we're called to do. To have the upper hand in our city that no longer would poverty rule Detroit. That no longer would depression rule Detroit. That no longer would corruption and brokenness and broken families and the things that Detroit is known for, that no more would that be the ruling and dominating factor. Even if those things still exist, there would be a bigger, louder voice called the voice of God through his children. Following him. I long for that. So the streets and the ordinary places filled with the witness of Jesus... And also from that passage of Scripture, we saw not only was the word being preached, but it was being demonstrated in power. Nothing is going to prove. I mean, a compelling testimony has power, but a miracle, a healing, how the heck are you going to argue with that? Backing up and reinforcing the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can say he's Lord, but somebody gets healed, they felt that he was Lord. They saw it with their own two eyes. We need the power of God. How do we grow in that? Just start making yourself available. Just start developing and cultivating a spiritual communion with God and leaning into the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think another thing that we can pull out of that passage is that local, the local community, for us that means Detroit, the local community was esteeming the holy validity of the church. I, that, I, to me, success, a sign of success is when the unsaved community around you, who aren't even with you, look to you as people who have got something. They may never receive your message, but they see something on you that validates. And that's what we see in that passage of scripture. They were coming, bringing their sick. We're not, we're not believing in what you have to say yet, but can you heal this person? And then another thing is that the local community, again, for us, Detroit, is looking to the church for answers. And then finally, it says that a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. I think another thing that we can pull out of that is that other regions begin to be affected by what's happening in the local church. It has to be exported. Whatever God has for us here, and we'll never be perfect, right? 
We're never going to get to a place where we have it all together. We could have revival happening in Detroit, and you and I are still earthen vessels and still feeling like we're not worthy of taking something to the nations. But what God does here in us, we need to export and to impact other regions because that's what multiplication looks like. Not just one disciple to another disciple, not just one community group reproducing another community group, a, a church, a movement being reproduced into another place. That they would then reproduce more. That those reproductions would reproduce even more. You follow? Seed bearing fruit of its, after its own kind. I'll just share this as well. Uh, that during worship on the last day, in both morning and evening, um, the Holy Spirit really began to move significantly. It was like one of those caught up into the heavenly kind of moments that the whole room was just connected. And I began to feel heat. Um, <laughs> it's really weird. Can you bear with me? Have you ever, uh, it might be too weird, but. <laughs> the, should I share it? Should I share it? Should I call a friend, 50-50? Uh, it was like a, <laughs> it's, uh, have you ever, I don't know what they're called, but like a squishy thing that, it's not a squeeze ball though, it's filled with some kind of like a liquid, and you can squeeze it, and it like you squeeze it and it like gets big on this side, and you can like stick your finger through it, and I don't know what those things are. It felt like that. On, in, in the palms of both of my hands. It felt like heat and energy, but it felt like it was like, almost like it was movable, if, if that makes sense. Like it, and I felt it distinctly in both of my hands, and I felt the desire to lay hands on sick people. And then that night, we go back into worship, and psh, same thing starts to happen again. I don't, I don't know if I missed it by, maybe I should have like gone and told somebody and I wanted to lay hands on the sick. What's that, Marilyn? There you go. I'm just sharing that. I, I had the sense that the Lord was touching my hands for ministry to the sick. And uh, it's not about me, please. This is, I'm sharing this with us as a local church community. We need to be trusting God and asking God for the manifestation of his gifts. But I am certainly encouraged by that to start even more so practicing that. Just sharing out of my heart. <laughs> Just being vulnerable with you. Another, there we go. Another, yeah, okay. We got it. After the church, after the meeting. Another thing that Ty shared, vision comes before provision. Everything I just shared with you is a dream, right? And you may say, that's like way beyond us. And I would say, bingo. That's the dream that God always gives us is way beyond us. Vision comes before provision. And let's not limit what God can say to us of a vision by what we have in front of us. Let's rather take what God says in the way of vision and let that determine what God's going to give us. Are we making sense? When God said to Adam to be fruitful and multiply... Practically speaking, how would that happen? 
You need a woman, right, to complete that picture. They didn't, they didn't have, yeah, you just need a woman. When God said that to Adam, there was no woman created yet. Vision comes before provision. <laughs> and so let's just grab that and, and, and realize that we'll never have enough, but as we're following what he says, there will always be enough. But it's in the stepping of faith that you find the provision. It's not in the waiting. God, I know you said this, but I'm, I'm waiting on your provision. No, you start marching towards the vision, not having enough, and he'll give it to you there. That happens all the time. And then just a couple quick things, and, and we're, we're done. You guys have done so well. But I, I hope that this isn't just like hearing a bunch of thoughts. I, I'm sharing this explicitly for the purpose that it's not just stuff that's in my heart, but that we share this as a local church community, and we all carry this in our hearts. Ty uh, said this. Now, this is a prophetic thing that he was sharing, and I want to definitely share this with all. Lloyds, I want you to hear this. This is a season to shift gears and go bigger. There are situations that make us want to shrink back, but this is not a season to shrink back. It's actually a season to go bigger in the midst of those situations. Dream. Don't let your dream be eclipsed by the, the stuff. Fight back, actually. Say, I'm dreaming bigger. Christine Nicotra, a lady that we dearly respected from Australia, she said, I feel this prophetically for our partnering churches in America. Who's included in that? This is prophetic for us. There are places that we are called to take, but they will not be taken until we go. It won't be our resume or our natural profile that will, get, that will open up those doors so that we can take them, but it will be our partnership with Jesus through intimacy with him. That alone is what's going to open up the doors. But we have to go through those doors. We have to take them. Keep going into Durfee. Keep going into uh, uh, DRM. Keep going into our workplaces and into our, our neighborhoods and into our et cetera, et cetera. And, and go into other places that maybe we don't even know about or haven't even thought about. But you have to go. But when you go, don't go because I'm here because the Lord. Go because you've been with Jesus. And then finally, Ken Grenfell, and I know Minda said it, but a um, uh, prophetic man will probably have him through the, in the life of the church in their future, probably. I've got such huge respect for this guy. He is a dear uh, man, so, so, so rich in theology, so rich in the prophetic gift, and yet so humble. But uh, he came to us, and I know Minda already said it, but I, I want to actually say it again that um, we had just received this prophetic word. We were standing there after, and we were being ministered to by two friends of ours, and then Ken came up to us right on the tail end of that, and he started to share something, and it wasn't necessarily even what he was saying. It was just the sense of the presence of God and knowing that it wasn't Ken speaking this, feeling that God was speaking to me, and I began to cry crocodile tears. I was so touched by the presence and love of God. And he said, he said, he almost like apologized. He said, I know that this is really simple, but I just felt this so strongly when I saw you. I wrote this down. Paul and Minda, the promises of God are yes and amen, which is New King James for absolutely sure. 
And he says, it doesn't matter who is with you or who is left or who will leave or who stay. It doesn't matter. What God has promised is yes and amen. And something shifted in my heart that I didn't even know needed to shift because I was already standing on that. But it went deeper. Well, I became more free in knowing it, I don't need anything from anyone at all. Following God, he will bring his word to pass. And I want to speak that over us, that these crazy things that we're talking about, this Acts 5 picture, this dream of Detroit, this crazy thing, that what God promises is yes and amen. It's sure. I think it would be good maybe if, if we just wrap it up, but I, let's just close in, in prayer.